1 Corinthians 16 today. We'll begin reading with verse 1. And I don't think, I think, yeah, I think we'll read most of the chapter. 1 Corinthians 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I sing, ascend to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. That word liberality, if I don't go back into that, that is the word grace. Okay, that word is, our, is normally translated grace in our Bible. Uh, but I just, I love that. Um, and if it be me that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will pass unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that you may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, uh, but I trust tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren." As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have convenient time. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, you, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you submit yourselves unto such to every and to every one that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Acacius, for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. Now, will you go back with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 58? The verse before this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word, and I pray You would speak to our hearts through it. Thank You for this uh, wonderful epistle of 1 Corinthians. Pray that You would speak to our hearts now. If there are some here that do not know Christ as Savior, that You would speak to their hearts, draw them to Yourself. And for each of us that know Christ as Savior, Lord, help us to grow. Help us to learn more about You, 
not just so that we can have a little more knowledge, but so that we can put it into practice and know you better and love others better. Pray you'd help us this day. Pray for churches around the world preaching your word that souls would be saved and that your folks would be edified. Lord, help us to be looking for your coming. We know you're coming, but Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be about your business. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can I ask you to do something before you put your Bible? Would you hold up your Bible? If it's a tablet, hold up your phone or your tablet. Will you show me your Bible, please? Isn't that wonderful? I remember doing that when I was a kid, uh, when I was just young, and my pastor would say, it makes the devil mad when he sees all those Bibles and how wonderful it is to have God's Word. This morning, I want to talk to you about abounding in the work of the Lord. Abounding and the work of the Lord. And our theme today started back and really we're just following on from the last verse of last week's lesson or last week's message. In fact, um, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, so don't let things that are going on inside you keep you from serving the Lord. Don't let anything going on within your own heart, this is actually two weeks ago, wasn't it? But don't let anything bother you to, to just bother you to where that it uh, takes you away from serving the Lord. Don't let anything going on inside. Don't let anything happening on the outside. Don't let anything take you away from being faithful to the Lord. And always abounding in the work of the Lord. Doing more than just enough to get by. Don't just settle for doing enough to get by. Abound in the work of the Lord. Do it with all your heart. Now, 1 Corinthians 16, the Apostle Paul shares some ways to abound in the work of the Lord. And I know we could spend this morning, we could spend this morning talking a lot about psychological things and, and how to feel better about ourselves. But when God in His Word wants us to love God more, when He wants us to follow the Lord with all our hearts, He gives us more truth to where we can balance our lives and we can base our lives on and we can say, okay, I'm not doing this because I feel it. I'm doing it because of God's Word. And doctrine is very practical. Can I say I, this year, I'm, I'm setting goals to where I'm, I memorize more of God's Word. But any of God's Word that we put into our heart it is very practical. Don't think that learning about going through a book like this or learning Scripture, that it's a waste of your time because getting it into your heart, it gives us a foundation. So never think that messages like this, that they're a waste of time and you're reading God's Word. There's going to be some times when you're reading God's Word that... Some, some of it doesn't speak to you quite as much as the other parts. Keep reading it. Because you never know when the Lord's going to speak to you about something that He's never shown you before. 
And so just keep reading. But doctrine is very practical. In fact, one very popular uh, commentator, uh, commentator, he said, the distinction between doctrinal and practical truth is artificial. Doctrine is practical. In fact, nothing is more practical than sound doctrine. Why do you do what you do? Well, it's based on God's Word. So this morning, I want to talk to you about always abounding in the work of the Lord. How can I, as an individual, abound in the work of the Lord? How can we, as a church family, abound in the work of the Lord? Well, first of all, and really hits lots of things, first of all, by caring for those in need. By caring for those in need. He says now, first of all, now concerning the collection for the saints. As I have given order to the church of Galatia, even so do ye. Now, I love the way Paul did this. He never does say, I'm going to talk to you about money now. He just calls it a collection. He calls it grace. And you know, when it comes to money, (laughs) I left my my wallet either in the car or back there or something, but lots of times when a pastor starts talking about money, people do what? They grab a hold of their wallet. You know, that's, that, that's the, the, because pastors always talking about money. And you know what? The thing is, is I think churches do two things in regards to money. They make two mistakes. First of all, they talk about money and they talk about money and they talk about money and they talk about money. And that's all they ever talk about. It seems like every sermon, every illustration, everything always goes back to we need more money. And then the other part, the other, and I think, I know that's that's an error. But you've got the other side, the churches that, that never talk about money. They're afraid to offend. They're afraid that people are going to go away if if you talk about money. And that's an error too. And so there is this in-between part to where that you talk about money when it's time to talk about money. And guess what? It's time to talk about money. But first of all, before we get into that, he says in this verse, now concerning the collection of the saints. Here in this book of 1 Corinthians, time and time again, Paul, this now concerning, it's like he's answering. He's got this list of questions that he wrote down as he read their letter to him, and he's ticking them off as he's, as he's answering them. He started in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, answering questions about marriage. In chapter 8, and chapter 9, and chapter 12, he's, ta- he's answering questions. And now he gets to the collection of the saints. Somebody must have asked him, what about this collection that, that you're taking up? What's happening with that? And he's answering this question. And can I ask, moms and dads, if your children are this high, or this high, or this high, don't get tired of answering questions. If the skeptic at work or at school asks you a question about your faith, 
Don't get tired of answering that question. Paul, he's not getting tired of answering questions. In fact, a little later on, he's going to answer a question about Apollos. He never got tired. So folks, whenever we're questioned about our faith, hey, why do we do this? Why do you do this? Why in the world? If we don't know the answer, we need to find out. But let's don't say, you know what, you ask too many questions. Let's figure it out. Well, why is it that we do what we do? So here, the Apostle Paul, he starts this verse about caring for those in need. And he says, now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. The first thing I want you to notice is that I believe Scripture teaches that there's two kinds of offerings mentioned in Corinthians. First of all, there's tithing, which is us giving 10% of what we make to the Lord. And like giving like today, which is basically, it's called grace giving. It's, it's you're just giving because you want to help someone else. And it's up and beyond your normal tithe, what you give. Well, here, he's talked to them about this offering before. And he says on the first day of the week, and by the way, if people, at, people ask you about why do we worship on Sundays, well, if you look at the early church, the early church worshipped on Sunday. It says on the first day of the week, and there's other verses that talk about the fact um, the, uh, John in Revelation, I think it's 2.10, no, 3.10, when he was... Uh, no, it's one ten. When he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, he was he. That's that's him. So we attend church on Sundays because that was the habit of the the early church. And then uh, first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered. You know, whatever the Lord lays on your heart, you give to other people. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Notice that it is is. Is purposeful giving, it's planned giving. Um, people in the church at Jerusalem were enduring financial hardship because of persecution and famine. And so, and they needed some help. Actually, um, another commentator suggested that some of it may go back to the fact that they were supporting so many widows that it was straining the, uh, the, the church and the members. They were, they were trying to look after so many people uh, from Acts chapter 6. And they needed some help. And so the different churches that he has made known, he says, guys, we need help with this. Will you please help? And you know, as individuals, as a church family, it's good for us to 
as the Lord enables us, as the Lord gives us the strength to, to help others in need. Galatians 2.10, it says, only that we, would, we should remember the poor, the same which also I was forward to do. Paul says, you know what? We need to remember the poor. You know what? We can look around. And yes, we should be thankful for what the Lord has given us. But we should be able to look around and, and say, you know what? I'm willing to help others who are less fortunate than I am. Uh, James 1.27 uh, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And though this does not necessarily mean that we're giving financial help, it does mean that we're willing to help. And so Galatians 6.10, which was part of the Bible reading this morning, as we have therefore opportunity let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So as we have opportunity, as we get opportunities, we really should be involved in helping those who are going through financial difficulties. But not everyone is fair income. And they're asking, um, I can tell you of one person in particular, uh, and this is just one, who said, I lost my wallet. I, I, I just got out of hospital and I lost my wallet and um, I've got cancer. Will you please help me? And so I listened to what he said. He says, I'm from a town close by. And I said, well, let me do this. I'll, I'll, I'll call you back. Let me just run some facts. And so sure enough, I started making some phone calls to some people that I thought might know this guy's situation. And sure enough, I found out that the guy had gotten out of hospital three days ago, and he's been roaming around our city for three days instead of going home with his cancer and with everything else. And he's just trying to take advantage. We have to be careful. In fact, some general principles for supporting the poor. I hope that, um, that you're able to, and that we as a church, it's a good thing for us to support uh, poor and other churches that need help. But here's some guidelines one uh, writer uh, suggested. Uh, benevolence distribution is a potential source of conflict and division. Oh, yeah. Some people say yes, some people say no, and it can even be so in a family. I remember, you know, even, um, yes, it, it can be a source of conflict. So one person's willing to help, one person's not willing to help, and it really uh, can cause trouble. Uh, Acts chapter 6 is that example. Uh, the Greeks weren't being ministered to properly, and so they wanted they wanted something done. And the disciples appointed the deacons to look after that. Um, 
Second, the church has an obligation to help the truly needy. And really, we looked at that verse a few minutes ago. Really, it's our responsibility as a church family to look after uh, individuals who need help. Third, the church must discern who the truly needy are. 1 Timothy 5.3 And some people, not everybody, but some people are just um, pulling your leg. I had another person to call me and say, um, you know what, I, I'll get you some bre- I said, I'll get you some bread and some peanut butter and that'll last you for a day or two. And they said, well, I also need Pepsi Max. They said, I need Pepsi Max. And I'm thinking to myself, I wish I could help you. Sorry, but I can't help you. Now, if you know of a medical condition that people don't drink water, please let me know after the service. But that person wasn't fair dinkum. And so we have to discern uh, who the truly needy are. Uh, If one can work to support himself, he is not truly needy. Uh, if one can be supported by their family, he's not truly needed. He should not be supported by the church. Uh, and this is, those who are supported by the church must make some return to the church body. Those verses of First uh, Timothy 5.10. And actually, that's another thing I do. I ask when people ask me for money or help, I say, well, no, let me ask you, what church are you part of? What, what is your church family doing to help you? Uh, that's one of the questions that I generally ask. Um, it is right for the church to, to examine the moral conduct before giving support. Uh, we never give money, by the way. We will give a gift certificate or we'll give money to Coles and they have to buy money or use the money there. We don't just give money uh, because it can be used for wrong. And then the support of the church should be for the most basic necessities of living. 1 Timothy 6 eight. And so these are some guidelines. So always abounding in the work of the Lord. One of the very practical ways of abounding in the work of the Lord is by using our money for the Lord. Using our money for the Lord. Second way of always abounding in the work of the Lord is by conducting our business dealings with integrity. He says, And when I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. So here, the Apostle Paul, he's asking, he's saying, Guys, I want you to take up a collection over a certain amount of weeks, And when you get that done, I want you to choose men of your choosing, men that you have confidence in, that they will not steal, they will not do the wrong thing. And I want you to send them on their way. I want want you to pick them. And always abounding in the work of the Lord by conducting our business dealings with integrity. As a church family, as a church body, do you ever wonder where the monies that you give go? Do you ever wonder where the monies go that you give? If ever you want to know, um, our treasurer 
has a detailed outline. But sometimes churches don't act with integrity. For example, some unfortunate headlines. Church pastor going to jail for stealing money. Chicago, the pastor steals $1 million from church funds to buy a new Bentley. And then former church treasurer accused of stealing half a million dollars. Paul is, is making sure that that doesn't happen. He's making sure that they deal with things in a right way. And in fact, some responses to that. The judge called it the worst type of theft. That was from the first one. The second one, the business of faith can be a very lucrative business. While some question its relevancy in today's society, Mega churches are still raking in high earnings. Did you hear what the writer is asking what's relevant? It's church. He's questioning the relevancy of church. In fact, it not only hurts the church's testimony in the public, but can you imagine having all that money stolen from you as a church family? We are heartbroken. Church members are in disbelief. Now folks, when we receive the offering, two people count it. They uh, write, they sign a form saying this is how much was given. And um, Brother Robert, who's our treasurer, he gives a detailed outline of all monies that come in, all monies that go out. When we have a debt or a bill like uh, the sanding of the flo uh, floors next door, I initiate the transaction online. Brother Robert, uh, he finishes the transaction. So it's not just one person. When we have to write a check, uh, that's a two people kind of thing. So in other words, when we abound in the work of the Lord, part of that is the way we handle our finances. Now this verse... This is not talking about that word purloining. Do you know that word means stealing, not stealing? And you know, abounding in the work of the Lord, it's important for us as a church family, as a, as a group, that we're honest in our dealings. But it's also important that we as individuals are honest in our dealings. And can I ask that if in days gone by you've not paid your bills, that you take it as a representative of Christ that you pay your bills? Because really, not stealing, but showing all good fidelity that you may adorn, that makes means to make beautiful God's name. When we pay our bills, it makes beautiful God's name. And then the last thing for this morning, by commitment to doing the Lord's will. Notice in these verses how the Apostle Paul handled the certainties, the uncertainties, the opportunities, the difficulties, and actions of others in the following verses. Notice how he responded. And this is us abounding in the work of the Lord. Here we are. We're steadfast in our thinking. 
We're steadfast in the way we, we deal with other people and with things that come from without. Paul says that we need to abound. Well, how do we do that? The Apostle Paul said, you know what? Whomever you send, I'm going to trust the Lord with it. I'm not sure if I'm going to go with you or not. I'm not sure if I'm going to go with you. But if it's, if it's helpful for me to go, if it's the right thing to do, if we think about it and I need to go with you guys to Jerusalem, whomever you send, if I need to go with you, I'll go. If it, do, if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. Are we okay with that? Paul is, is facing, I'm not sure when, I'm not sure my plans, he knows he's got to go through there sometime, but he's not sure when. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you that you may bring me on my journey with us wherever I go. So he's making plans. He's sort of saying, you know what? If it works out to where I can come, I'll be there. What kind of plans do you have? What kind of plans do you have? What if the Lord has other plans for the plans that you have? You know what? Paul is just flexible. Lord, if you want me to do this, I'll do it. Lord, if you wreck my plans, if you wreck my plans, Lord, that's all right. In fact, notice, he says, 1 Corinthians 16, 8, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Okay, I've got another certainty there. That's, that's what I'm planning to do. For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Okay, so I've got all these wonderful plans, and I've got these things that I'm doing, and the Lord is really blessing, and He's working. And sometimes we think we're out of God's will. We think we're not doing the Lord's will when what? When everything doesn't just flow right, when everything doesn't go smoothly. My Paul says, you know what? That's really not it. A great door of ministry is open and, and I'm going to go through it, but there's a lot of problems. And then, as touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have convenient time. Apollos, will you come and visit us? Everybody wants to see you. No. But really, Apollos, everybody really wants to see you. No. Can you imagine the disappointment that the people had when they found out Apollos wasn't coming? Does anybody at work, do they ever do things that you wish they hadn't have done? And Paul... He doesn't give it to Apollos. Apollos, how dare you not want to come? How dare you happen to think that you can think for yourself? Paul said, you know what? He doesn't want to come. I'm just going to trust the Lord with that. Maybe he will later. And these people loved Apollos. But he said, you know what? I'm not coming. So in other words... Trust in the Lord 
and his will. Even when others say things, do things, don't react like I think they should things. I know the fascination of having a program and having everything in order and knowing where we're going, but let us leave room at any rate for the interference of God. So we have plans, and it's a good thing. James chapter number four, it's a good thing to make plans. But if for some reason the Lord alters those plans, let's trust him with it. Let's say, Lord, okay, we'll trust you. Just because you have a problem, don't let that hinder you. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep trusting the Lord. Um, Paul was committed to doing the Lord's work no matter what happened to obstruct his plans. Paul looked at detours in life as next steps in doing God's will. God doesn't waste circumstances. I hope we as a church family, as individuals first, and then as a church family, will abound in the work of the Lord.